Welcome to another episode of... Kiefer. I barely knew her. Podcast where we watch a movie, smoke a whole bunch of weed, and then dive into that story and see what real highizations we can pull out. We highly recommend it. Absolutely. And as always, we're joined by my lovely Bee. Oh, hey, man. And my wonderful husband, Chris. How's it going? I was going to ask why you laughed when you said lovely Bee, but I'm fine. It's okay. We can move on. What did we watch? And tonight we watched... 1988, Die Hard. Oh, classic. It's not just a classic for you, B. This is, what is this movie for you? Oh, I'll be honest. We've been watching a lot of my my faves. These these movies uh, give me life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Die Hard is just phenomenal. I'm a huge fan. Your favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, So what are you excited to talk about? Well, tonight, uh, I'm really, really excited to talk about something that I... You always kind of realize that he's fucking with Hans the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are direct situations where John McClane just straight up undermines Hans Gruber's authority at every given opportunity. Yes. <laughs> Makes him look terrible in front of his guys. That's just not cool. Every time. there's the, Every time he's trying to make a point. Um, but anyways, what about you, B? What are you excited about? I'm excited to talk about the fact that this was so well planned. And I want to kind of dive in and see if we can figure out who was the inside guy. That's a good who question. helped them get all this information. So we've got that. We've got some trivia we're going to pepper in and, and exciting, exciting stuff. We're going to go ahead and smoke up now. And hopefully you'll be able to do whatever you need to do to be able to get to where we're about to get. (laughs) We'll see you there. And we're back. And hi. (laughs) All right. Die hard. Chris, tell me, where did this story take you? You know, it's probably pretty heavy-handed. I don't know. I felt like that throughout the movie, any time Hans Gruber was trying to make a point, Mm -hmm. John McClane undermined him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, every single time. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. The introduction (laughs) that he was in the building. To them undermined Hans Gruber's big speech to the hostages. We have taken everything into consideration. Uh, and then man. one of their dudes is dead in the elevator. Right there. <laughs> Everybody to see. Uh, that's, you don't want your, your henchmen to see that kind of thing. That's embarrassing. Not even just your henchmen. Your, your hostages. Yeah. You've just lost a lot of authority in that mm-hmm. situation. <laughs> They have way less like fear in you, I feel like. They, you, you have You're less not control. the only thing they're afraid of anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's very possible. You're right, though. Every opportunity. And he just, he made him look bad and was rude. <laughs> very rude. When Hans Gruber so openly suggested that he was a guard in the building he just made a buzzer noise at him and was <laughs> that's 
you've got guys in the room looking at you. And literally. Thinking, are you going to take that? I was seriously thinking that exact same thing. I was going to bring that point up. <laughs> yeah. Every opportunity, mm-hmm. even in conversation, mm-hmm. didn't take him seriously, made fun of him, <laughs> and had absolutely no respect for him whatsoever throughout every interaction. It, it was impressive how, how would I explain this? I keep saying it was rude, but... He was shitty to Hans Gruber. He really he was, was shitty. He shitty. Was, he mocked he was like a, him. He was, was a bully. Yeah. He well, was a bully. I mean, it's hard to call someone a bully when they're bullying the bully. True. Yeah. True. It, <laughs> I think that probably is what threw Hans Gruber off so much. Was yeah. He had been in control and he hadn't been questioned. Mm-hmm. And his men were just in line. And this dude was dissent. (laughs) But it's weird to think about. Uh, You would assume he's just acting this way because it's a movie. And that if this were real, he would be taking it very seriously. (laughs) Would not be talking about Roy Rogers and... Oh, my God. (laughs) Telling him to go fuck himself on the radio. (laughs) You would hope. But Bruce Willis actually did... Some research and talked to a lot of uh, cops and detectives, and they said that they use dark humor to get through those things. Really? Yeah. So think about that next time. Hear about a bust or some uh, police activity. Now you know that cops are really in there making quips. <laughs> they're. Oh God. I I don't know that they're quite to the level of puns. Definitely not enough for Puns and Muscles magazine. Essentially, the Bruce Willis thing. I mean, he made it made a career out of uh, this <laughs> this character type. He really and did. I would watch all of them, all of them, except the boat one with Sarah Jessica. He's a boat cop <laughs> in the nineties. Oh God! <laughs> with Sarah Jessica Parker, I'm I'm lying. Of course, I've seen it twice. I'd watch it again. At the end, when he came up to Hans Gruber and the last dude that was still alive, mm-hmm. even then. <laughs> He was just a total dick to him. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> just making fun of him as they're sitting there he laughing a... at his own jokes and then they all jump in and laugh. <laughs> a gun to his wife's head yeah. and he's antagonizing. <laughs> this dude. Yeah. Who's shown to have a pretty itchy trigger finger. Yeah. I'm. He's taken out every other terrorist, all of them, except the very last one. No, but I mean Hans Gruber. He's got a really itchy trigger finger. Oh, I see what you're saying. Ellis, Takage. um, Yeah. Yeah. Did I say that name? Takagi, I think. Takagi. That's how I heard it. But it's interesting. He he always jumped when the gun went off (laughs) on set. And so when they shot the scene where he shot Takagi, they had to cut away. And Just because he kept jumping? Yeah, because yeah, because Alan Rickman, because Hans Gruber didn't do this, <laughs> he's a character. <laughs> Alan Rickman would, uh, would jump a bit when he pulled the trigger because they used extra loud blanks for this movie because they wanted a lot of... Um, <laughs> they needed bigger muzzle flashes. And... 
Yeah, so they were really loud, definitely louder than, you know, a cap gun. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, when he shot Takagi, they had to pull the shot away to outside the doors because, yeah. <laughs> he kept uh, jumping. Right. But uh, he did pretty good when he ran out of the office and slid on his shoes. Oh, my shoes. God. I laugh see, at that scene And I think it's because he time. threw his arm up when he did it. So, so it was, like, it was uh, easier uh, to, yeah. <laughs> but, man, he made that look cool. He did. <laughs> I, 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 was, I always wondered if that was on purpose or if he was <laughs> kind of freaking out that he slid a little bit. When he pulled the trigger, it wasn't supposed to actually be a second shot. <laughs> you know? I really doubt that it was on purpose. <laughs> It just doesn't seem like something you would try to plan for. It right? doesn't seem necessary. Mm-mm. It only seems like it would endanger him. <laughs> I mean, Seriously. there was a step there. Yeah, he, if he went could have too fallen far. Down. He would have just yeah. So yeah. that was just Alan Rickman being Alan Rickman. And uh, life gave him lemons. He made <laughs> some lemonade. This was Alan Rickman's first movie ever. He had been in Hollywood less than a week. And he got this part. What? But he actually was in, he started out in a lot of plays. And he was in this play called Dangerous Liaisons. And that got optioned for a movie. Ooh. He played a specific character in that play. They replaced him with John Malkovich. Oh so my he God. didn't even get to be in the movie that they made, but a play he was in. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. And he got die hard. Yeah. But he got the part because uh, John McTiernan and Joel Silver from Predator uh, <laughs> saw him in that play and liked him. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he did amazing. It was so there good. There was some really interesting trivia that you found. Yeah. He was too good because he got typecast for a bit there, but yeah. he, he made it around. So here we are gushing about Alan Rickman uh, because he's so amazing. Well, Hans Gruber is also so amazing because let's talk about how truly amazing this plan was and all of the information that they had to be able to pull this heist. This is a heist. This is a heist. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is Hans four. I don't know Hans six <laughs> instead of Ocean's Eleven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had twelve guys. Did he? Or he had eleven guys and he was the twelfth. One or the other. Yeah. So it's Hans 11. <laughs> he needed um, that one other dude to, you know, Ocean's 12. Is that where the brother came from? Maybe. Because why else would you bring your brother on a heist? He's going to... They're just dicks to each other. <laughs> they had very special sets of skills. <laughs> I wonder... You know what, actually? I bet you... I bet you... Mm-hmm. Carl was the add-on. He was a loose cannon motherfucker. <laughs> That is a great point. Wow. Yeah, because the entire time Hans Gruber is saying, stop it with a gunfire. We've got cops here. I can get rid of them, but not with fucking gunfire. Exactly. And he, he never stopped. Not once. And then he almost ruined what, uh, fuck, what was his name? Anyway, Carl's brother <laughs> was trying to do what he needed to do to get the phone lines cut so mm-hmm. that they wouldn't report that they had been cut. Yeah. And Carl just walks in with a chainsaw. I was like, you done yet? Carl. And Carl's mm-hmm. brother's like, no, man. No, not yet. Don't do this. <laughs> I mean, all in German, but of course. Of course. <laughs> you read between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. He's freaking the fuck out. He's sweating bullets. 
Yeah. And uh, he gets it done just in time before his, you know, loose cannon chainsaw. brother, yeah. chainsaw-wielding brother, Carl, <laughs> cuts through all the lines and notifies the police that the lines have been cut. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He was the add-on. That makes all the sense in the world. Really. Gruber said he needed muscle. Mm-hmm. Carl's brother said, steroids? You know, it's a little dangerous. <laughs> a little un- unpredictable. <laughs> okay. Um, so that also makes sense because Heinrich, or I think if, if that's the brother's name, he was on the team and he had a purpose and it was a technical purpose. Yeah. He had a job to do. Uh, Carl never did anything but run around and brood and <laughs> put <laughs> guns together <laughs> and shoot at people, not follow orders, <laughs> turn off radios to avoid communication. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that you're not supposed to do in a well-planned Is this his first heist? It might be. I feel like it has to be. He just doesn't understand the rules. He's the greenhorn. But he lives the longest. He does. Somehow survives the chain hanging. Yeah, apparently you can... After Bruce Willis steps away and he's in the background, you can see Carl watching Bruce Willis. Hmm. But... That seems like a hard thing to gauge when your neck is covered in chains. Right. How can you tell what you're staring at? Why do you not? You might be dead. (laughs) Yeah. That didn't make much sense to me ever seeing this movie. Mm -mm. You know, it. Yeah. yeah. But now it does. Now it all ends up. Apparently. Tracks. Somehow his neck just stayed tense enough to keep himself (laughs) from going under. So then, that means that Hans Gruber didn't have this as immaculately planned as he thought. But, I mean, he, for real, did it a lot. He had a lot of intel, and he planned a lot of it down. It could have been perfect. It could have. So this is, uh, I guess, I bet you Carl was a late addition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very late addition. The guy that was supposed to be in Carl's place couldn't make it through customs or something. You mm. <laughs> know, just got pinched at the yeah. airport. Uh, so Carl, late addition. I think the situation is Theo mm-hmm. came through with all of the computer information. Mm-hmm. Went in there, somehow hacked the console, mm-hmm. got into their servers. It seemed very easy, servers, and right? he looked like he knew exactly how to use it. Exactly. He knew how to get through all the locks. He knew how to turn on and off all of the elevators, turn, close all mm-hmm. of the doors, everything. He knew it front, back, everything. I think that, that he hacked their system and got all of the intel that they needed on the building through well, their servers. Do you think that he hacked the system or he contracted for them to build the system? I could see that being. A I thing. feel like that's more likely. Or he, he because um, I was gonna say, what if <laughs> we're just speculating here? Mm-hmm. Uh, he pursued an attack on their system so that they would bring a contractor in. And oh then he built wow! You're going door. so far as to exp- find the beginning of this heist. Yes, that's the first step. That's my first step. Well, I do want to point out that um, these $680 million worth of Verabonds in the vault 
were not on an itinerary or I inventory list. Ooh. That is something that is considered from shady dealings. Interesting. Yeah. So it would been, it it would have been very interesting to find out how they had six hundred and eighty million dollars in bearer bonds. In bearer bonds, yeah. That is very interesting. Yeah, and uh in today's whatever. After inflation. <laughs> yeah, um the uh that amount of money today would equal about one point six billion. Man. Yeah. That's a heist. Mm-hmm. Get your heart out, Ocean. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Spit on him. <laughs> That's what you get. Your heist was nothing. Billions. <laughs> One of the things I don't think they quite had the intel on was the guard situation, which seemed weird. That seems like something you would want to have nailed down. Yeah. That's they assumed it was a rogue guard in the building. They didn't keep track of how many guards they killed. They even uh were unaware of how armed they were. I personally I found it excessive when Carl <laughs> threw a flashbang at the elevator guard who was armed with a walnut. <laughs> <laughs> Flashbang shot in the chest. Double tap. Bam. <laughs> just over. <laughs> God. And he just was cracking his walnut. <laughs> a random snack to have as a guard. I think they would have a dish of them at the Oh, you're so entryway. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't even bring his own walnut cracker in. Nope. <laughs> it's nope. the one from the dish. You know he holds on to it and they get so mad at him. So they have one that they got for themselves and they hide it when they're not using it. We're making up stories now. Yeah, yeah. Office drama at the um, Nakatomi Plaza. But there are a couple of instances I did want to talk about that seemed immaculate planning for this situation. One is when Hans runs into McLean near the roof and he tricks him into thinking he's American. He knew the name of somebody on that board. Oh, my God, When John McClane asked him, Bill Clay. He knew the name. What does that even mean? Did he study that from a registry when they were studying the schematics of the building? Did he actually scan that at some point earlier? Well, probably a minute earlier. It seemed so smart. In a way. <laughs> no, totally did. Um, I actually was always so impressed by that whole situation, especially mm-hmm. because he says Bill Clay. Yeah. And it's W. W-M. Clay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really even another step forward in jumping into the character and being prepared yeah. to use it. And that's what I think it was. That was just how he planned. He just figured... All right, I'm going to find a name on this board, and that's going to be the name I use if I have to. But that board represented names from up and down the building, so that's something he could have gotten if he had the schematics for the building and the um, 
you know, which companies were in there and, and all of that information. Absolutely. You should have all that information. <laughs> but to know the names was impressive, I think. But also, um, they set up a missile launcher in under 60 seconds. <laughs> they had that shit. To, it looked like you were showing me the, the race car pit crews. <laughs> they were on that shit. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I loved that um, that whole situation, the way that they got that all set up. I thought that was, again, like you said, immaculate planning. Mm-hmm. They knew mm-hmm. what the LAPD was capable of and what they needed to yeah. have to be able to take care of it. And where they needed to have it. They knew what floor it needed to be on and exactly where to put it. They just needed to know which side of the building they were coming down. Yeah. Oh, man, it was yeah. so great. Everything about it. Except for John McClane. He threw a wrench. <laughs> How do you plan for something like that? She was listed as Gennaro. Yeah. There was no was... background check on McClane. Nope. Mm-hmm. It was... But he didn't technically research all those employees. Um, because he didn't know what Takagi looked like. Well, we have to take into consideration the fact that it was 1988 and getting pictures of people wasn't exactly as easy as it is today. It's true. You can't Google someone (laughs) when there's no internet. Yeah. Getting somebody's yearbook, (laughs) any of that stuff in 1988 would have been That would have been excessive. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been hard, even for Hans Gruber. (laughs) But um, one of the things... Uh, I hadn't thought about before. I'm going to act like I came up with this now. (laughs) Maybe. Um, In this movie, the protagonist and antagonist do not physically fight. That is a very strange occurrence for an action movie in the 80s. That's a really good point. There isn't a second. Um, I, I won't. I can't claim credit. No, but that's really interesting. That's I hadn't even considered that. There were situations in which they had guns trained on each other, but mm-hmm. it wasn't there was no physical altercation between them. There was no, no I hadn't aggression really between thought about them. that. Even when they met and uh he tricked him, they still didn't get they didn't throw fists or anything at all. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, they said that they wanted to make it clear that this was a battle of wits between these two men. This was not, yeah, a brawn situation. And that's very clear, and it perfectly lines up with him doing so much shit-talking, because that's his side of it. Yeah. If Hans Gruber is smart and sets up everything in the building, his... The balance is that he would shit on it. <laughs> it's science. It all lines up, B. You're onto something. I think so. Oh, man. So we have another situation in which mm-hmm. I'm reminded yet again <laughs> that I cannot do a pull up. Yes, pull up or die. Pull up or die. You need to get a sound for that. <sighs> Somebody singing it. <laughs> yes just like that we're gonna cut that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah that's rough man it is tough 
-hmm. It's uh, it does not seem to be motivational enough, you know. You is you're still not motivated to try, uh, try to get to that point. To I be mean. able to do a pull up, yeah. yeah. Okay. There's just uh, you know, I don't find myself in those situations very often. So okay, so. I mean, that makes sense with uh, the Lost Boys. You don't often hang out with vampires. I don't. Especially I don't. not on railroad tracks. Uh, we moved away from the city, so <laughs> elevator shafts aren't really a thing yeah, very yeah. often anymore. No. Um, mm -hmm. The doctor I go to has three floors. There's an elevator. <laughs> but um, Yeah, you don't often find yourself in high-rise holiday party situations. I would still also encourage you to stay on main floors, as yeah, always. Yeah. Um, basements are also okay because uh, um, Usually pits are rare. I'm feeling a bit better about it. <laughs> I did want to ask, who's the main character in this movie, man? Oh. You know, they say that the main character, the primary protagonist in a movie, is the one who has the biggest change, right? And, growth, character. Yeah, character growth, character getting over something that's holding them back, character realizing they're holding themselves back, mm -hmm. you know? In this movie, both John McClane and Al mm -hmm. had major character growth. Yeah. We can talk about John McClane. Everybody's going to be like, yeah, man, he got tougher and tougher throughout that movie. He's like, no, fuck you, okay? <laughs> He realized where he fucked up in his relationship, realized that he was wrong, and was able to admit that he was afraid. Yeah. All of those <laughs> things from a guy like John McClane throughout this entire movie, putting on this tough guy facade, being all upset and stuff. And then you've got Al, who literally says he could, have, he could never raise his gun mm -hmm. again. At mm -hmm. somebody again, ever. Mm -hmm. Save John McClane's life mm -hmm. with his gun. Okay? So. Yeah. Clearly um, hadn't been to the uh, <laughs> firing range in a while, as he said he would never raise his gun, because it took him <laughs> five bullets. Yeah, I mean, Carl's tough, okay? He at the been... end, I think something fell off the building and hit him <laughs> in the head. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> it was Hans Gruber. Oh, God. <laughs> That was too uh, soon. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No, but it was... Uh, that was pretty funny, though. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but yeah, you can ask that question, who, who grew the most? I think that it's uh, not a pissing contest. Mm -hmm. And also, they're, they're pretty equal amounts of growth. Yeah. As individuals getting over something. So you're something not that pick was a side? holding themselves back. No, because they were holding themselves back. <laughs> you brought this up and you're not going to pick one? Why would I pick one? I thought that's. <sighs> I'm trying to figure it out and I'm telling you that I don't think that there is a deciding factor. Hmm. They both got over have, something uh... that was within themselves <laughs> that was holding them okay. back. John right, McClane right, couldn't okay, admit this okay, shit. Okay. Okay. You've... And I've... Al couldn't have... trust himself. Okay. okay. These are both huge. I have something for both of those. Okay. Um, 
for John McClane, I would say his character growth is not as high as you are making it out to be because I realized something about their relationship, which should have been obvious from the 500 (laughs) times I've seen the movie. John is not fighting for his marriage anywhere in this movie. He's not fighting for his marriage at all. He is only fighting to save his wife. That is his only goal. It's not about getting back with her. It's just it's about, about making sure she makes it. She's important enough. She needs to survive this. That's why he's doing this. Sure, he probably would have jumped in if he, if she wasn't there, but... Probably would have sat back once the cops got there. (laughs) My point being, I don't think that he grew in a way that benefited the relationship. I think he did become more vulnerable. And I think that he realized how much his wife meant to him. But he hated himself. John McClane hated himself. They decided mid-filming that they finally figured out this character, Bruce Willis and uh, and John McTiernan, the director, and they decided that he hates himself, but he loves his wife, and that's what is going on here. So their relationship will always ultimately fail because he doesn't think he's good enough for her. And I think you just reinforced my point, which was that he grew as a person. He was able to let the thing that was holding him back, which was being able to say that he was afraid, being able to be vulnerable. He's not concerned about their relationship, I wouldn't say. I was, um, I think that him and Al had a similar growth (laughs) because Al was able to trust himself. But if you think about the arc of growth, Al was at the top. He was still waiting to make that change. And and John McClane started at zero and done anything. (laughs) So by the end of it, Al moves forward. (laughs) He has now reached his objective to overcome his issue. Whereas John McClane only has made it to the point where he's acknowledged there's an issue. He never works through it. Even through the fifth movie, he still (laughs) hates himself. (laughs) Yeah. So then that just means that John McClane's not the main character in any of the movies. If you think about... interesting to consider, like a Mad Max situation. Yeah. (laughs) Shows up places and... Shows up places and kills people. (laughs) Yeah, I think we just figured out Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I want to go back to Al and his growth. I have an interesting theory about Al, and I'm uh, I'm curious what you think. Okay. Uh, He was not wearing a wedding ring. Okay. When he was picking up snacks, um, he never radios anyone else never checks his watch never uh yeah so i'm wondering if there's this cycle that he can't stop telling himself that's i mean i don't want to get too dark but but man yeah 
I mean, it's possible they left and he just can't let it go. And he uses the pregnancy excuse to get the snacks. And that's why the dude at the at the convenience store doesn't believe him because he's seen him there over and over and over again for more than nine months. Oh, man. Yeah. This is all adding up, B. Yeah. This mm. is all adding up. Yeah. So interesting to consider what kind of headspace he was in as this all was going down. But also, can I ask why he's the only cop who understands hostage situations? It was a really weird situation. He seemed to be the only person who had any wherewithal yeah. whatsoever. Who knew what was happening and why. And yeah. he was a, a desk jockey. Right? So I can understand why uh, Deputy Chief Robinson did not know what was happening. Oh he clearly God. got the job through nepotism. Absolutely. A classic case of you haven't gone up the ranks to earn this, so you don't know what it takes to do this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I swear when they were on the uh, radio when Al and uh, John were on the radio, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> as you as you so dubbed him. Oh, because his first name is Dwayne, so he's Dwayne. Robinson. Uh, Robinson and Johnson. Well, Johnson is, uh, three people in this movie have the last name Johnson. <laughs> and Al's last name is Val Johnson. Wow. So. Jeez. Yes. So Robinson. <laughs> so B has dubbed him. Not Dwayne the Rock. Dwayne the uneffectual. Ineffectual. Ineffectual pebble. Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> To to say somebody falling out a window might be a depressed stockbroker. Oh my god. You don't want to do your job. At all. No. Or you just no. yeah. No. He was he was the worst. I legitimately thought after he handed the mic back to Al when uh John McClain told him to fuck off mm-hmm. that he was gonna turn around and say, Did you guys trace that? <laughs> because <laughs> He's, He's just such to, an yeah. idiot to to say something along those lines. The radio uh, conversation yeah, sir, they were it's, having. It's He's in the building. In the building. It's coming from inside of the building, sir. As it said it was. <laughs> Al is the only one there. I'm sorry, Carl Winslow is the only, <laughs> is the only one there who knows about hostage situations. Even the SWAT team doesn't know what's going on. Oh, my God, that SWAT team. (gasps) (laughs) You got to talk about it. You got to. Getting caught in the bushes. Yes. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) That even makes it out of the captions. I love it. It's so great. I love that that happened. Oh, poor guys. They should have gotten them gloves. They really should have. I mean, you're going to have them run through rose bushes. Come on. I hope they didn't have to do it a bunch of times. Seriously. It is funny to see them, though, after they shoot the car, the four of them just rolling around on the ground, writhing in pain. <laughs> <laughs> They've all oh been shot somewhere. And <laughs> I was really impressed with all the ways that they came up with for him to kind of get around everything that they did to stop him from reaching out, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, thinking about... Um, Trying to use the fire alarm. Mm-hmm. He got one of their radios and started calling, what was it, the FCC or something like that? They were saying mm-hmm. that it was an emergency line. Or, yeah, he was on an emergency line. 
you would have been fined by the FCC. Yeah. And of was... course, you're calling an emergency line and saying it's an emergency. And they're saying that it's not. <laughs> like, get off this line. I, he's a cop. If they needed a code, he could have explained, I'm it's, I'm not from right? here, but. <laughs> you guys I'm not can from look around this up. here. I don't know how you handle these things, but. <laughs> but yeah, so it was just, <laughs> he found all these different ways mm-hmm. to get it. Get somebody there. Throwing bodies out the window. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. what other statement could he have made at that point? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. I was thinking, honestly, that he was going to shoot through the glass. Yeah. Where that one uh, lady was on the phone or whatever. Oh, you thought he was going to shoot the woman across? Not shoot her. <laughs> just shoot through her windows so that she would call 911 okay. and say somebody across the street is shooting at me and then they'll send cops. What if it goes through to the next apartment? I mean, <laughs> you're shooting through glass and then if you have the trajectory right, it's probably going to hit the stone floor. But I don't know if that building was made out of stone, but if it's that high up, okay. probably. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, no, but I did expect him to try to get her attention. He just looked at her and said, okay, and walked away. <laughs> that, that was about that, it. Yeah. yeah. That was a, I felt that that would have been a really good opportunity to have somebody call the cops from outside yeah. of the building. Mm-hmm. But also, it's kind of risky. I mean, I say kind of, it's really risky. Yeah. So. Um, there was also the opportunity to try to find Argyle because he knew he was down in the um, garage. That's and true. Argyle had a car phone. Oh, and he was just fucking around on it the entire time during the movie. Well, even when he found out there was an emergency, he didn't use his phone to say, hey, I'm in the building. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> Let me give you a heads up on what I can see. But, well, when you consider how stupid that chief... That the deputy, that chief. deputy chief was. He probably would have called him a terrorist, and right, yeah, He's probably working okay. with him. Yeah, and the FBI certainly wasn't uh, looking to have a conversation. Not even remotely. They were Mm-mm. totally fine with a twenty twenty five percent loss of life. They could live with that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I really hope it takes better numbers than that. <sighs> To you make would, those decisions. You would hope. Right? You've got one in a chopper who's laughing and enjoying a memory of Vietnam. <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there was actually something I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. The comment that he made about he was in junior high mm-hmm. when yeah. uh, he was, was when Nam happened. I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? A five-year age gap at most, or at least, at you least, know, at least five years. So <laughs> it's not a big gap, considering the draft and how all of that yeah, really that's worked. Pretty terrifying to think about. Seriously, that's really terrifying to think about. Draft card showing up in the mail for your kid that just turned 18. Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> I was that's something that I thought about during the movie. <laughs> America. Mm, no, but I, as much as I love this movie, I do want to ask the question, why the fuck did he tell them he was there? 
Why the hell did he announce his presence after killing only one of them? He had only taken out one. He knew there were several and that they were all armed with automatic weapons. I, I will say, do you think it's possible that he wanted them to know he was there in case they had plans to kill the hostages? He wanted them to understand that there was a hitch in their plan to distract them from... Moving forward with anything too terrible. It could have also been yeah. to throw them off their game. Yeah. So Just, everything they were going to do, they're on edge now. Their plan didn't involve this. Yeah. This is I, going off script for them. This is going to like put them off balance. I still feel like it would have been better to pick them off one by one. Oh, absolutely. would have had to have a knife to do that. I'm, I'm like... I'm picturing GTA in my head. Oh, God. <laughs> Just crouching down hallways. Stabbing people in the neck. <laughs> that sounds exactly like the plan. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. If he had a a knife to do that, that. I mean, several of them had silencers. He could have mm. gotten one. Now it's time for the bees in my bonnet. The questions that linger long after the movie is over. But. <laughs> um, first of all, I want to address the fact that I need to understand how the company Nakatomi Corporation holds files on their executives that can be used to blackmail them. And can be changed. Yeah. So that I mean, they'll I be get useless. Deleted. But how are you blackmailing executives? Am I just I don't know. I always wondered about that as well. <laughs> and he was yeah. so quick to jump to that. I've always noticed that. And I've always wondered why how often do your executives get blackmailed that this was the first thing you thought of? They have contingencies do for it. They have invoices for call girls or what is happening in these files <laughs> that <laughs> is the company blackmailing them to give them a, a smaller salary? What this is, is strange. Yeah. Of course I'm no business expert in the eighties, so That's a very good maybe point. There was uh, something you could do and what if they had blackmail insurance? <laughs> what? It seems like it was that prevalent. If, <laughs> I mean, if he did that, like, if he did that, it was just, it was first thing he jumped to, blackmail, boom. Mm-hmm. You can't this do that. Is. We'll change the files, bro. Yeah. We got this covered. You don't even understand this has happened before. This is the We're 80s. ready for it. We can delete. Exactly. Uh, I'm. I assume they are talking about money, but how are you blackmailing someone if you already have the information to their accounts? You're just taking that money, right? I wonder if it's so they don't report it. (laughs) I'm going to take this money every month. Oh. And, uh, yeah, that's just what's going to happen from now on, and you're not going to say anything about it. But that's still not blackmail. You're not making them pay you because you're holding something against them. You're just taking their money on a monthly basis. But you're blackmailing them to not tell anybody about it. So what are you you using? You have to have dirt on them to blackmail them. That's what I mean. I don't know what they have. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how we got here. I I really don't. I don't know where we are. So we agree that we don't understand how Anything. to blackmail executives in the 80s, exactly. but that it seemed like a problem. Rampant. Yes. Rampant issue. Mm-hmm. Some might say epidemic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
I think that they did have blackmail insurance. <laughs> All right. On to my next one. <clears throat> this is kind of, I've wondered this for a while, yeah. but I've never said it out loud because oh, I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> my favorite. How do henchmen pick their outfits for heists? Ooh. Because there is a wide range in clothing choices amongst these henchmen. They're not all dressed the same. They're not in a uniform fashion. Not even remotely. One is wearing a turtleneck with a button down over it. He looks very nice. Very. Um, uh, one guy is wearing gray sweats and, yeah, sweatshirt and sweatpants. Yeah, like the kind that you buy at Walmart. I feel like if you're a henchman and you show up like that, I don't take you as seriously. This is a senator if you're or... in loungewear and you're holding me at gunpoint. Activewear. <laughs> it's his activewear. <laughs> he wasn't very active though, so I'll admit he obviously was in the navy. He goes down the stairs just like. Oh man, you're yeah. so right. Yeah. So he has military training. So okay, activewear, but still. That's what you wear in the warm-up. You don't wear that to game day. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> it was, uh, just, I you think... You just look like a schlub. So here's the thing, though. This is my guess, okay? Mm-hmm. This dude who's in these super baggy sweats mm-hmm. is fucking ripped. He is huge. You can see the way that the sweats are laying on uh, like his shoulders yeah. uh-huh. and his arms, and even as baggy as they are, you can see how defined these guy's muscles are. It's kind of ridiculous, and I think that they did it to make it believable that Bruce Willis could beat him up. Oh wow! Oh, I could see that. There aren't, there are not uh, muscly bound men in this movie. None. Um, which. I mean, that's cool. It's just, it was such a different thing in the 80s, and they were worried it wouldn't do well. Um, <laughs> most of the henchmen were actually over six feet tall. They made sure to get tall guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to consider uh, what are the odds that once Carl joined into the heist, he saw what his brother was going to wear and thought it was cool and wanted to wear it. And so he woke up that morning and put it on before his brother could. He stole his outfit. <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy to do that. So all he had left were sweats. Yes, because they're just there for this heist. They're not living there. <laughs> wow. Those might have been his pajamas, actually. Wow, that makes a lot more sense now. It does. But Man. I, I think yours is more likely. But I I do wonder how smart he is. It's uh, Heinrich, right? I think it was Heinrich. Heinrich. Um, When he goes to the floor that John McClane's on, and he's he's trying to find him around all the saws, he says, I promise I won't hurt you. And the second he turns a corner, he starts firing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is not how you get somebody out of hiding. No, no. You check the corner cautiously, like somebody would. Mm-hmm. He had no idea if John was on the other side of that corner. There was nothing that gave him a way to say that he was. He also had no idea if he was armed. Nobody else had been the entire time. The whole time. 
He pulled a fire alarm. You think that's somebody who has a gun, generally? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously in this situation, it was the right thing to do, but... Very true. But no, I did think that that was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you lost him. You're, you're mm-hmm. never going to get no, to him. No, he's never going to come out now. <laughs> and if he does come out, he's going to hit you with something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I want to take a moment to talk about Theo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a hacker. Uh-huh. He can break into vaults. Uh-huh. And he loves what he does. Loves it. He is so happy to Never be there. Never works a day in his life. <laughs> Never a day. I mean, that's a unique and very great skill set to have, but... Man, he loves what he does. It, nothing ever seems like a chore. Mm-mm. Mm. Even kicking no. somebody out of their seat, you know? And he... Man, he just has so much fun with it. So much. Betting with Carl. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, what happened? <laughs> yes, I bought this up for a reason. Um, Carl uh, did that. Uh, Carl just did that in one of the takes. Oh, my yeah, God, really? Theo didn't know what was happening, but he took it. <laughs> and they thought it was so funny, they put in that, uh, I told you he wouldn't. Oh, man, that's awesome. (laughs) High five to Carl. You made an entire scene so Mm -hmm. much better. Yeah. It it really, I think, this movie truly portrayed a team that was, they were friends. Yes. (laughs) They were were tight-knit. They were cool. They enjoyed each other's company. Mm -hmm. They were, uh, yeah. Even with the late edition of Carl, Mm -hmm. he... uh, he got in with some of the guys just because he's <laughs> fucking crazy, you know? I think some of them were scared of him for sure. Oh, that's absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It something. was interesting that they all used their real names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not often done in a heist situation. But I guess if you're planning to fake your death. Kill everyone. Yeah, to fake yeah. your death and uh, no, all that's that. That's a good point. They need to names. know who they're killing. Yeah. To know to not look, look for, for you them anymore. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Hmm. Boom. Knock that one off. All that to say, Theo enjoys his work. He does. <laughs> All day, mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge the fact that everybody's on the same line on this radio. Yes. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody hears everybody. All the time. But nobody hears uh, Hans say, hit it again. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. He said it in English. (sighs) Sometimes they spoke in German, but for the most part, everyone heard everything everyone was saying. Everyone knows that John McClane wants to say sorry to his wife. (laughs) Yep, that's a good point. See, that, that, that level a... of vulnerability, mm-hmm. B, he knew it was an open station. <laughs> I wonder if that... Or frequency. That, I wonder if that uh, brought a tear to anyone's eye. <sighs> so beautiful. Just a couple people. <laughs> the thing that I always thought was interesting is how much John McClane was talking shit to Hans Gruber, and it was an open line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. just egging him on the entire time. So everybody heard him be humiliated. Which is not something Gruber is very, very uh, familiar with. Grubers don't like that kind of thing. Simon doesn't either. 
Not even a little bit. Mm-mm. So my the final bee in my bonnet, and I, I could talk about this movie for another day and a half if I wanted to, but I really only thought this through this time I watched it. When Ellis goes into the office to try to negotiate with Hans and get John to give himself up, yep. at one point he yells into the radio, just give them their detonators and we'll get on with it. So let's give the bad guys the key to the the thing that can kill us all. Yeah. So we can just go ahead and get killed. Who who thinks it's a good idea for bad guys to have detonators? He's a salesman. They'll tell him whatever they want to hear. He's a piece of shit. That's what the kind of person is that says that. Yeah, seems to be. So we came to the conclusion that uh, this was a four Keefy Bull movie. Mm-hmm. I really That's our think rating. It is. I think that it. Um, I think that there's still a lot that we could dive into oh, when it comes so to much. this. Just so many different things. The way that they set up stuff, and going into trivia even would just be a rabbit hole that would lead on forever. I would love to talk more about uh, Holly Gennaro and, <laughs> and and that relationship and. Yeah, so just there's a lot. There. There's so much. So four Keefy Bulls is definitely yeah the rating for this one. Four Keefy Bulls to uh, get through all of the the conversation and realizations exactly. <laughs> that this movie has to offer. And if you have the opportunity, uh, we watched it in a movie theater. It was really awesome. It was amazing to see it up on the big screen. The big screen, <laughs> so and loud. loud speakers. Oh my god! Yeah. So if uh, you have it in your area. Definitely. Definitely recommend it. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on another episode of Kiefer, I Barely Knew Her. As always, if you feel like we deserve it, give us a like or a subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at KieferIBKH or on our website at KieferIBKH.com. As always, we have to give thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music. McLeod. And keep an eye out for future episodes on Tuesdays. Hopefully you'll come back and see where the story takes us. Mm -hmm.